I'm back from vacation, and there's a lot to catch up on. That's the focus of today's TDN Daily. And welcome in to the Thursday edition of the TDN Daily Podcast. Chris Schubert back with you here once again on the show. Hope you're all having a fantastic start to your Thursday. It is good to be back. It is good to be with you guys once again here on the show. I did miss doing the show each and every day, interacting with all of you uh, in the live YouTube chat. And for those of you in the podcast audience, enjoy uh, or missed not uh, being around you as well and you listening to the show and having some great content for you. But good to be back. It was a fun trip. Nice to kind of hit the reset button a little bit uh, before. We get into the meat and potatoes with football season right around the corner. It's about to become August here pretty soon. That means training camp, and then it feels like the days just fly at that point before the start of the season. But as normal, when we when somebody goes on vacation or uh, or you know you take a day off or two, that is when all of the news breaks. And so I figured it would be a very very worthwhile show here uh, to come back, kind of slowly settle in. We've only got two shows this week anyway to slowly kind of ease back into things. Uh, for uh, the TDN Daily Show and discuss all the things that happened while I was gone, and I can share my thoughts on them as well. And so we'll talk about the guy that's the featured image for the YouTube audience. He's the the top uh, name mentioned in the story uh, or in the uh, title of the show, and that being DeAndre Hopkins ending up with the Tennessee Titans. And the the fun, the fun part about this is we get to discuss DeAndre Hopkins signing with the Tennessee Titans. We get to discuss what that means for the Titans, but we also get to take a look at our wide receiver rankings to see what we want to do if we want to make any movement now that DeAndre Hopkins uh, has signed there, right? And so um, we can have all of those discussions here in just a second. So I, I, my, the first thing I'd like to discuss is I, I was on vacation. I was, in, I was in Vegas, and I wasn't really linked to my phone. I didn't have my phone near me at all times. And so when I got the notification and saw that DeAndre Hopkins had signed with the Tennessee Titans. I was, I wouldn't say confused, because we knew that he visited there. We knew it was one of the two teams that he visited there and the, uh, and the uh, New England Patriots. But I, would, I will say I was pleasantly surprised. There was all this momentum. There, were all, there was all this momentum that he maybe would go to a Super Bowl contender and that maybe he was going to go to the Chiefs or maybe that he was going to go to the Bills or... The, the Cowboys, or somebody that was in a win-now kind of window. But the two visits he took didn't align, didn't align with that vision, the Patriots and the Titans. And so everybody was kind of sitting around going, okay, not really sure what to make of the situation, but at some point, he'll probably just end up going to the Chiefs or the Bills, right? That's kind of the way I felt about it, even though it was kind of a slow-moving process. That's how I felt about it. And so... When we did ultimately see him and ending up going to the Tennessee Titans, I was I was a little surprised that that ended up being the case. But the Titans did offer a decent amount of money, and and I don't know if any other team was going to be able to match the deal, which I think is worth twelve million. It can be worth up to fifteen million, um, in you know for this season based on incentives. I don't know if any of the other teams were going to will at this stage of free agency in July, the end of July. I don't know how many other teams were willing to to meet that that price tag. And Bailey brings up a really good point here in the chat and says everyone says they want to go to a Super Bowl contender, but most players rightfully just take the most money. I agree with that, Bailey. I also agree with you, Braden. I don't blame him for getting the most money possible unless I agree 100. 
But we all this time we had heard that all oh, Chiefs, Bills, Super Bowl contender, going to play for a winner, all that kind of stuff. And then the two visits didn't really align with that vision. And so you're caught between these two competing theories, and you're not really sure which one's going to be true, which one's going to be false. And he ended up going to Tennessee. Now let's talk about what DeAndre Hopkins does for the Tennessee Titans in 2023. He's clearly, immediately, their wide receiver one. He's their wide receiver one. Traylon Burke's their wide receiver two. That's the way that this group settles out. Now, DeAndre Hopkins going to the Tennessee Titans, and Alex kind of made the joke in the chat, and he said, can we talk about how much Nuke moved the needle for the Titans Super Bowl as they went from plus 8,000 to plus 8,000? Now, I don't want listen, if he went to the Chiefs, I don't know how much the Super Bowl odds would change. If he went to the Bills, I don't know how much the Super Bowl odds would change. Would they change maybe a little bit? Sure. And so, yes, I understand that the joke is that Tennessee is is not really in a position to be very good this year, and adding even adding DeAndre Hopkins doesn't really help them. I understand the merits behind the joke and behind the comment, and I don't necessarily disagree. But I don't know how much DeAndre Hopkins, a wide receiver at this stage of his career, would have moved the needle for any of the teams that were in question. But yes, he doesn't move the needle for the Tennessee Titans because it all goes back to the show that we did a couple of weeks ago. It was either last week or the week before where we talked about where the Tennessee Titans currently sit with their quarterback situation. They don't sit in a comfortable place. They sit with Ryan Tannehill, what, 33, 34, 35 years old, in his mid-30s, the last year of his deal there in Tennessee, not coming off of a very good year last year, got hurt. Lame dunk, lame duck quarterback going into this season. Then you've got Will Levis, who's a second-round rookie, and you've got Malik Willis, who was a pick from the previous general manager that it clearly feels like Mike Rabel didn't want to, the selection that Mike Rabel didn't want to make was bringing Malik Willis. And Malik Willis didn't play all that great when he had to step in for Ryan Tannehill. And so you're in this quarterback purgatory. And so it's weird for DeAndre Hopkins to sign up for this quarterback purgatory. And it's weird for him to sign up for a team that I don't think any of us feel that they're really in a position to be the favorites in 2023 in that division. I still think, I think everybody right now would pick the Jacksonville Jaguars to be the favorites in that division, myself included, even though for some reason people think I hate the Jags this year. The Jags are going to be the favorites. They won the division last year. I think they're, they're, they're improved. I think they're going to be a better team. I think Lawrence is going to take a, a, another step. I think Doug Peterson in year two is going to have more wrinkles to this team. Like I think they are, they are the better team. And Tennessee, I, I think they're a team that you can cut both ways. You can tell me they're in the mix and they grind it out and they play that Vrabel style of running the football with Derrick Henry and they play good defense and they find ways to win games. They kind of channel the, the 2022 Giants in some ways with how they choose to attack football games and they find ways to win. I, I could buy into that, but I could also buy into this being a train wreck because they don't have a good quarterback. They have a terrible offensive line. Their wide receiver room isn't great. We'll get to that in a second and see if we want to move where the Tennessee Titans sit in our wide receiver rankings. There's a lot that you can point to that this team's going to win four or five games. And so I this move doesn't really move the needle in either of those directions. Those two buckets still feel very, very likely at this stage. Bailey says, Vrabel's trying to create a Steelers-like mentality and culture with the Titans. They will fight and win as many games as possible each year, keep everyone motivated at all costs. Clearly, that's what they're trying to do, Bailey. I agree. Is it going to work? You can create a Steelers-like mentality when you have Ben Roethlisberger and you're Mike Tomlin and you're winning a lot of games every year, right? No offense to Mike Tomlin. I think he's one of the top five coaches in all of football, and he has done miraculous things the last couple of years without Big Ben and in years where Big Ben has gotten hurt. But for a large majority of him being able to establish that culture of we do not accept not being in the mix every single year, 
It helps when you have a quarterback who can get you through some tough times. Do the Tennessee Titans have that answer on the roster? I don't know. Jury's still out. I don't know what Ryan Tannehill is going to bring to you this year. I have no idea what Will Levis is going to bring to you this year. He's kind of a long-term guy. Malik Willis, I don't know if they're going to give him any opportunities. And so while I agree that that's what he's trying to do, and that's clearly their MO for 2023, is that they're going to try to scratch and claw and find a way to win any game they possibly can. But I don't know. I got a lot of question marks. They always says they go as far as that offensive line takes them. The George Fant visit is important for them. Need his depth and experience. Yeah, he can play both sides, too. He can play left or right tackle. He's a guy that, you know, like I said, being a swing tackle, being able to play both sides is helpful. But they need veteran presence in that room bad. It is the worst offensive line in all football. We rated it here on this show 32nd. Speaking of our rankings, I'm going to pull them up here so we can see where we have uh, the Tennessee Titans currently ranked at the wide receiver department. We need to add DeAndre Hopkins to that list, and then we need to decide amongst ourselves, is adding DeAndre Hopkins enough for to move them up some level of space on our rankings? So if you will give me just a second so I can pull up our positional ranking spreadsheet on our document, because this will change a lot of things. So right now I have the wide receivers. We had the wide receivers for the Tennessee Titans ranked 32nd in all of football with Traylon Burks, Nick Westbrook, Aquina, and Kyle Phillips. So now we're going to add Hopkins into the mix. And we're going to ask ourselves, where do we want to move them up to? I will tell you the teams directly in front of them are the Atlanta Falcons, the Arizona Cardinals, the New York Giants, the New England Patriots, the Green Bay Packers. To me, adding DeAndre Hopkins, even at his old age, puts you ahead of Atlanta. I think it puts you ahead of Arizona. And I think it puts you ahead of New York because you now have a true wide receiver one. It might put you in front of New England because Parker, Bourne, Juju, do we really feel like there's a true wide receiver one? I think we can convince ourselves that Tennessee is in this tier with the Rams, with the Packers, with the Panthers, that 25 through 27 tier. That is where I feel like we can move them. And that, you know, that's value with one player, but I think we're okay with that. So I'm going to right now put them 28th behind Green Bay. And that moves Atlanta into the worst spot in all of football. And that's where we currently have them. Now, I'll pull up the list really quickly. Give me two seconds to see if I can pull up the list here for you guys watching on the YouTube side of things so that you guys can see the list. And then we can make any determinations on what we want to do. Got all my tabs open, though. I think they're above the Packers just based on proven players. Packers rely on rookies. Yeah, and you got Christian Watson versus DeAndre Hopkins. We can put him in front of there. I don't think you can put him in front of L.A., though, with Cup. Because you've got Cup, Jefferson, Skoranek, and, and Puka Nakua, again, net neutral. And I think you've got Cup and Hopkins. I would take Cup. And then you got Jefferson, Skaronic, and Nakua against Burks, Westbrook, Akine, and Phillips. I think those groups are pretty similar. Burks is still a relative unknown. Um, Nakua's a rookie. We can't really do a whole lot with him. Jefferson is a decent player when he's healthy. So I think putting them behind the Rams and having them be 27, I think, is a fair place to move them. So we move them up to 27. Now that requires us to go to the spreadsheet here a little bit. Because I was just in the document. Now we go to the spreadsheet and we change their number from third, I got to change all the numbers. I'll do that a little bit later to see if that uh, if that changes on anything. Sports Nuts says, forgot you're back. I'm late, but have you touched on the running backs yet? First of all, Sports Nuts, okay. First show back. It's okay that you're late. Welcome back. Good to see you. Happy you're here. Have we touched on the running backs yet? No, that's our next topic here on the show. We're discussing DeAndre Hopkins right now uh, and where he fits in our um, positional rankings uh, for the Tennessee Titans for 2023. Just move them from the bottom of the league, 32nd all the way up to uh, 27th in front of the Green Bay Packers. So that's what DeAndre Hopkins is able to provide. Uh, moves you up five spots in the rankings. But we will talk about the running backs. And 
Barkley's going to be the big name. So let's get through the other two guys first, okay? Tony Pollard not signing a long-term deal after he signed the franchise tag. That's not a surprise. It doesn't feel like it's a surprise from both sides. It feels like Dallas was not interested in any capacity of repeating the mistakes with Ezekiel Elliott, and it didn't really feel like Tony Pollard, you know, felt strongly enough that he's going to hold out to um, to get a contract, etc. Because he signed the tender basically right away. So not a surprise that that's where that ended up. Also not surprised, said it here on this show, that the Raiders and Josh Jacobs were not able to come to a long-term contract extension. I am, however, surprised that the New York Giants and Saquon Barkley did not come to a contract extension. And there are interesting layers to this. There is, we can talk about the decision to not offer him a contract extension and the fact that we are now now entering this situation where there are risks of Saquon Barkley missing a game. That's one bucket, the decision to not give him a contract extension. Then there's the second bucket, which is Saquon Barkley's comments about missing the season saying that he might have to. And I kind of want to start there because in, in sports, we take, we take comments and we have to put them through a filter. We have to determine when comments are being made, whether it's by a player, whether it's by a coach, whether it's by a general manager, whether it's by an agent, and specifically in the case of a player, agent, or GM. You have to look at comments that get leaked or that are said publicly. What leverage are these comments trying to create, right? That is what you have to ask yourself when reading comments. But when I see comments from Saquon Barkley on a podcast that says that he might have to take it to this level, meaning not playing for the New York Giants in 2023, I wonder what leverage is being created. Because it's not as if after hearing that comment, Joe Shane can go to Saquon Barkley's agent and to Saquon Barkley and say, okay, we don't want to run this risk. Uh, you've now said publicly that you don't want, you, you might miss the whole season. What's it going to take to get a deal done? That deadline's over. Saquon Barkley's either playing on the franchise tag or he's not playing. And so these comments don't create any leverage for Saquon Barkley. The Giants are stuck. The Giants can't do anything more than they've already done. They've put the, they've put the franchise tag on them. They chose not to come to, to terms on a long-term deal with Saquon Barkley. Their part of this equation is over. They now need Saquon to sign the franchise tag and report to camp. Now, Barkley has not signed the tag yet, so can't, can't be fined for missing training camp if he were to, to extend his holdout. There were reports in the lead-up to the deadline that Saquon was potentially considering missing week one. That made sense. That was a little bit of a leverage play. But now here, after the fact, I don't know what leverage he has. Now, he says that he's got leverage because he could say F you to the Giants. He could say F you to his teammates. Uh, I'll read the quote. Quote, my leverage is I could say F you to the Giants. I could say F you to my teammates and be like, you want me to show you my worth? You want me to show you how valuable I am to the team? I won't show up. I won't play it down. And that's a play I could use. Again, what leverage does that give Saquon Barkley? Because yes, it messes with the Giants and it might make them come to the negotiating table next year, but a year off for a running back What's to say they don't just tag him again? I just don't know how much leverage it truly creates. Sportsnut says, what's wild? We talked about how the upcoming wide receiver mark, free agent market will be, but six of the top nine running backs in the latest Madden rankings are not signed beyond this season. You know, I didn't see, I saw the Madden, Madden, Madden ratings got released. I did not see them. So we're going we're gonna to do this together. Madden 24 running back rankings. And you said six of the top nine are free agents for the 2023 offseason. So we've got 
Nick Chubb signed to a long-term deal. Josh Jacobs, free agent. Saquon Barkley, free agent. Dalvin Cook is currently a free agent. Tony Pollard's going to be a free agent. That's four. Who else is in there? Who else is going to be a free agent? Is Derrick Henry a free agent at the end of this year? I mean, those are four of the six that you mentioned, but yeah, agreed. The free agent market next year is going to be wild. Uh, Jamie says, in the new CBA, there should be no limit for franchise players to sign an extension, in my opinion. Um, I mean, Jamie, could we meet in the middle and say the start of the season? Like, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is going to sign a long-term deal with the Indianapolis Colts. I'm not worried about him hitting free agency sports. Not Derrick Henry, I agree with you, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. Eckler, yes. Yeah. Like, Jamie, that feels like a nice compromise. The start of the season. Like, before 1 p.m. week one of the regular season. Like, that's your deadline. Once the season begins, you're not able to sign. But anything before the official kickoff of the 2023 regular, or the, the that year's regular season, you can... So you, you can work a contract extension. The reason why this is in there is to one, give teams leverage, but also for it to not be, to be, to be a distraction during training camp. But I think a nice happy medium should be week, week one of the regular season. Still gives you all of July, still gives you all of August. And then truly, truly, if it really comes down to a leverage play, you have until week one of the regular season. Um, we didn't mention Zach Martin. I know some people have mentioned him in the chat that he's also talked about sitting out. We'll discuss him here because we're talking about Saquon Barkley sitting out. Um, look, players are going to hold out. And, and But see, for Zach Martin, there is a leverage play because the Cowboys can go to him and get a, a deal done. The Giants are, are out of options here. Saquon Barkley out of options here. It's either play or don't. That's it. Those are your two options. Um, but the Cowboys are in a tough spot. They're going to have to make a decision on Zach Martin. They're going to have to make a decision on C.D. Lamb. They've got a lot of this. Tony Pollard, they're going to have to decide what they're going to want to do with him next offseason. They'll probably either tag him again or move on, but don't you kind of want to keep the tag in your back pocket potentially for CeeDee Lamb and Zach Martin? See, to me, the best, thing that, the best thing that could be done here for the Dallas Cowboys is get one, of, get one of these guys signed relatively quickly because this is the situation the Giants found themselves in. And we're going to get back to the Giants because I want to talk about something here in a second. But the, the Giants went into this offseason with both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley impending free agents. And I, I thought the plan was to sign one to a long-term deal and to tag the other one and then work out the long-term deal with both. They tagged Barkley, and they got the long-term deal done with Jones. That was part one of the plan. Then part two of the plan, I thought, was get a long-term deal done with Saquon. That didn't happen. But you want to be able to have the tag at your disposal. But if you've got three players that you might want to use the tag on, you've got Lamb. Do they potentially, I mean, what, what is, what is, what does Martin's contract look like? We're going to look this up. Zach Martin over the cap. Because where does he currently sit? He signed a contract extension back in 2018, six years, 84 million. He's in the, the second to last year of the deal. He's getting paid a base salary of 1.7 million with his prorated bonus. He's got $11 million against the cap. Next year's base salary is 13 million. He's got two void years on the deal. So he wants to be paid more. Chris Lindstrom and Quentin Nelson, the top end of the list here, I'm reading from the ESPN story, of about an average of $20 million uh, for this season, and Martin is scheduled to make about $7 million less than the NFL's top paid guards. Yeah, I mean, they could very easily rework this deal if they wanted to. He's 34, he's 33 this season. But again, what are you going to rework this to? 
Are you going to add a bunch of years on this contract? I don't think so. He's 34 years old next season. So they're in a tough spot. I think to me, you got to get CeeDee Lamb done. I think that's priority number one. And I think you want to have the franchise tag in your back pocket just in case. CD Lamb. Let me pull up CD Lamb. Because he's got his fifth year option, right? Let's take a peek here. Because to me, 2023 is his is his year four season, and they've already picked up the fifth year option. So yeah, they can get a contract extension on this offseason. They don't have to worry about that. The CD Lamb's not a problem. They'll get that done. Bailey says, Martin is an example of why you shouldn't sign long contracts as a player. He has been underpaid for a while and has limited leverage. Dallas did that with Martin and Tyron Smith. Yeah. I mean, he signed a six-year, $84 million contract extension on June 14th, 2018. If I remember correctly, it was a six-year extension on top of his last year of his deal. So it was a seven-year deal in total. That's, a, that's unheard of. They've got digs that they've got to, they've got to sign. And they've got Pollard that they've got to sign as well. So they've got they've got players that they need to figure out. And Pollard definitely they could they could slap the tag on him again for a second season. But again, that's more money. I don't know if they would they would consider doing that. Um yeah, I mean it's tough. It, it's this is this is a tough situation to be in. And so the, the quicker that they can get some of these deals done, like if they can get Zach Martin done now, if they could get a CD Lamb extension done now, if they can maybe get an extension with Trayvon Diggs done now, that would be great. Because then the less question marks you have going into the offseason gives you more ability to operate. But I'm not surprised that Zach Martin would like that contract to be restructured. I just don't know if they're going to be able to do it. I want to get back to the Giants really quickly before we get out of here because there's one other thing I want to talk about. We, when we had the conversation about the situation that the Giants had found themselves in on Friday, there was a lot of talk in the chat, and I don't remember by who, and whoever it was, they'll speak up. But there was talk in the chat of, not agreeing with what the Giants did here by paying Daniel Jones all that money and then also having to pay Saquon Barkley all that money. And there were a lot of question marks of, was this the right building strategy for the New York Giants of having all this money tied up into a running back and into a quarterback that maybe you're not all that in love with? And if the Giants have pivoted and they're now not going to be interested in in a long-term contract with Saquon Barkley, the rhetorical question that I'll ask the chat, and if somebody wants to answer it, they can. Do we then start to think that the Giants really have a better understanding of where they are and understand that paying Saquon and paying Daniel Jones maybe isn't the right idea? Because now you're going to be another year removed. If Saquon does play this season, he's another year older, another year of wear and tear, and again, another year into the future. What does that contract extension look like with all those factors? He's a year older. He might get hurt, but he's a year older. More tread on the tires. Doesn't that change the math a little bit? Doesn't that change the contract extension that they offered now? Is their offer going to get better next offseason? It probably shouldn't. It probably shouldn't get better from where it was this season if you're the Giants. So, I don't know. Maybe they've decided that they like Saquon, but they like Saquon on the franchise tag, and they like... Saquon at a certain number at a certain number of years but beyond that they're okay with doing this year-to-year thing and they're okay with whatever may come with this Bailey said Bailey was the person who said he said I said it would be an offseason they would regret spending that much on a trailer quarterback and an RB who has been injured well now do you change how you feel Bailey because they are not paying Saquon Barkley and let's check the Daniel Jones contract out 
to see what kind of outs they have in it to see if maybe they can, if it doesn't work out, they can move on pretty quickly. It's a four-year, $160 million contract extension. If I remember correctly, it's really only two years, and then they can get out of it. Yeah, it's a two-year deal because after, in 2025, they can designate him a post-June 1 release, have a, some dead cap, $9 million for two seasons, but save $30.5 million. Move on to what, though? Depends, Taylor B. Depends. What if they? What if Daniel Jones isn't very good this year? And they're picking in the top 10, and they have an opportunity to take a quarterback. Or next year, in 2024, he's not very good. It, I just think there's flexibility once they commit to this idea that they're not giving it their all with Saquon, with Daniel Jones, and, and mortgaging everything into that vision, right? Whether or not you think that vision is good or not. And I think they could find a way to be successful with that vision. Is this regime surviving two bad years? After what they did in year one, I think so. I think so. It is New York, and so things are different. They need to make the rookie option on running back after year two. I mean, look, it's a tough spot to be in, right? It's It's not a perfect situation because they've married themselves to Daniel Jones for at least the next two years. And so to me, right, and I think all of you would agree with this, over the next two seasons, they're going to try to win because they've paid Daniel Jones like a guy they think they can win around. If you're going to do that, ergo, don't you think you need Saquon Barkley because he also helps you win? Listen, I, I've said it here on this show. I think Saquon Barkley being on the on the Giants for week one is vastly more important than Josh Jacobs being on the Raiders in week one. I've said this 100%. Bailey says uh, they overachieved last year. It wasn't part of their timeline. They should stick to the original plan, which was not paying a guy like Barkley um, would be. Uh, but the Jones signing was a tough situation. So, Bailey, there's there's some stuff in there that I believe is true, right? They did overachieve last year, agree 100%. It wasn't part of their timeline. We don't know what their timeline was. I think if you gave them truth serum, they would tell you that, that, that winning as much as they did last year was not part of their timeline, 100%. But we don't know what their original plan was. But yes, Daniel Jones doing what he did last season, winning a playoff game on the road, that changes the equation a little bit. But the contract that they gave Daniel Jones has the hedge in it. They've hedged. They've told you what they feel. They've told you what this plan's going to look like. What other weapons do the Giants have? They've got Darren Waller. They've got Paris Campbell. They've got Sterling Shepard. They've got Jalen Hyatt. It's not a great room. We had it as a bottom, I think it's a bottom five room now after moving the Titans around. It's, it's, it's got upside. I think Paris Campbell's a decent player. I think Darren Waller's going to be Daniel Jones' best friend. I think Jalen Hyatt is a nice long-term answer, probably beyond this season, but I think he can be impactful as a rookie. They've got guys that you kind of like. Do you love them? No. Is it a great group? No. But I could see the group becoming good. I could see the group having a couple of pieces. And so I think they, Bailey, I think they are kind of in line with what you're saying. Whatever their original timeline or plan was, they're, I think they're kind of sticking to it. And the Saquon decision to not budge and to not give him the contract that he was looking for kind of is the indicator that that's the case. I think if they're bad enough this year and next to draft a quarterback, then the New York media isn't going to fall back on year one. It's a fair point, Taylor B. The New York media is loud. But you've got the Jets in town. And if the Jets are a dumpster fire, and you, you never GM like this, I'm just talking out loud. 
if the Jets are a dumpster fire and they don't play very well, they're the thing that's going to get the most attention, not the Giants. And so that might buy you another year or two. Last year almost hurts them in some ways because they've raised expectations. It, it has, because now the now it now it looks like well, you've got nonlinear progression. Where's my guy Jamie Eisner in the chat? Um there is this weird standard that fans have that say you won nine games last year, you made the playoffs, you won a playoff game. By default, if you're gonna the only way we would consider it progress or success is if you built on that, is if you won more than nine games, if you maybe won the division, if you won more than one playoff game, like those are the only way for most fans that would define a 2023 season, 2023 season as success. But if my guy Jamie Eisner is here in the chat, we have a phrase that we use all the time. We used to use it when I produced his hockey podcast, non-linear progression. Teams don't always just go up and up and up and up and up. You might go up, then you may take a step back, then you make a bigger jump, and then you might take a step back, and then you may take that final jump. Non-linear progression. And I think the Giants are going to follow that, that course. They had a spike. They now might not might take a step back, but still in line. They might take a step back in the win column, but it is still in line with what the long-term vision is going to be so they can make that next big jump and maybe win two playoff games or win 11 games and win the division, right? Thank you, Jamie. I, I knew you were here. Hashtag non-linear progression. It's a great theory. That Jamie, I don't know if he's the creator or champion of, but he's the first person I've heard use it. And since, and ever since he's used, uh, said it, I've used it everywhere. And we talk about it on our podcast all the time, and I talk about it here. Nonlinear progression. Teams don't just constantly go up and up and up. They don't scale. They go up. They might take a small step back. They might make a, then make, maybe make a bigger jump. Then they might take a small step back. Progression is not a linear thing in sports. So for the Giants, it's interesting. They, they clearly, I think, are going to follow their original plan. Um, and it, we'll see what Saquon does. By the way, just one quick note. Sitting out makes no sense for Saquon Barkley. doesn't create any leverage. It actually makes the situation worse for him. Um, I, I, I don't see it. Sports night. Is Jacobs going to play on the tag? Uh, if not, and the uncertainty with Jimmy G, they'll be in the thick of the Caleb Williams race. 100% sports nut. Um, I don't know. I think he will, but I, I, I understand why you wouldn't want to risk it. But I, I, think, I think both Saquon and Josh Jacobs end up playing. I really do. Um, I think at the end of the day, both of those guys are going to want to go out there and prove and put up big numbers and say, see, this is how good I am. And now you just made the price tag go up, at least in their minds. Be a tough situation for both these teams, if, if specifically for the Giants, if Saquon Barkley signs his franchise tag, goes out there and has an even better season than he had last year. That's going to make those negotiations, I think, even, even more tougher next offseason. But that is going to do it for us here on this edition of the show. Appreciate you all being here. Glad to be back. Glad to get back on the wagon. I, I can promise you this. And this is a promise I will keep Monday on the show. We are discussing 2024 draft quarterback prospects. I, I can't, I, I think it's going to be Kayla Williams first up of who we're going to discuss, but that is what the plan is to start next week. We got one more show this week here for you though. Don't know what we're going to do tomorrow. Should be fun. We'll do maybe do a little Friday free fall, continue this theme like we did today. There's a lot of stuff that we can catch up on and have a conversation about, but I appreciate all of you being here and enjoying the show. Please rate, review, subscribe, share the show with a friend. We greatly do appreciate it. Join us over on the YouTube side of things. Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is when you can catch us. We got one more show this week, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. While you're there, give the video a thumbs up. That's to you all in the YouTube chat right now. If you haven't done it, please give the video a thumbs up. If you're watching back on demand, leave a comment, subscribe, turn on the notification bell so you know when we go live, you know when we drop a new video, we would greatly appreciate it. But that's going to do it for us here on the podcast edition of the show. Hope you all have a great rest of your Thursday. Talk with you all tomorrow.